the economy is getting back underway, and with it, the world of pro sports. Stay ahead of the curve with the unparalleled tools of two world-class news desks covering developments across finance, economics, technology, and sports. Subscribe to Bloomberg.com, and if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, for a limited time, receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. Go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. On today's episode of Brody and the Beard, Kelly and I are going to talk about what happened in Game 6, and we're going to look ahead to Game 7, and if that's going to be the end of the season. If the offense is triangular, it's something like a prism. Put you on that lockdown defense like a prison. Hakeem was the dream, the MVPs must be his children. They won 22 games in a row, that's a rhythm. Triple-double rust, man, I need you to acknowledge. He don't do this for the optics, man, he do this for the rock, kids. Welcome to a new episode of Brody and the Beard on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mo DeKeel. With me, as always, is our man on the ground, but not in the bubble at the current moment. Kelly Eco, athletic beat writer, covers the Houston Rockets. Kelly, how you doing, man? Yo, what's up, Mo? Oh, we got a game seven, man. So, like, it's funny. We went from the start of the series going like, man, this, this is going to be really tight. This is going to be really close. And then the Rockets won the first two games, and we were both <laughs> like, man, maybe we were wrong. And now we're here. No, we're right. We're right. We should have just trusted our instincts in the first place. Now we're here at game seven. Uh, But Kelly, like, first off, we have to go into game six. What the hell happened? Uh, I think it was embarrassing, honestly. Um, when When you look at everything that's gone on in the past six games, obviously you know that this is going to be a chess chess match. You know, each coaching staff would have tweaks here and there to counter and counter back. But where the Rockets have failed has been in the clutch. Um, the Thunder, being the best clutch team in the regular season, have proved that, you know, sample size does carry over to the playoffs. Because in all of the three Thunder wins, they've just been better and smarter down the stretch. Where the Rockets have been sloppy, there's been a lack of execution and a lack of communication. And that's the that's the frightening part, you know, heading into a game seven because you have to assume that the game's going to be pretty tight. And if, you know, the game gets to the fourth quarter and it's the last five minutes and the game is, you know, two, three-point game, you kind of have to give the Thunder the advantage, you know, just going off of what we've seen so far. But um, I think the Rockets kind of shot themselves in the foot with the 22 turnovers. Kind of shot themselves in the foot. They blew the foot oh, off. Yeah, they, 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 they used a double double gauge shotgun. <laughs> the, the, the foot is gone, Kelly. <laughs> uh, um, I think, I think you know, the lion's share of that is on Russ. Uh, he was just sloppy down the stretch. It wasn't good. Um, Harden had five turnovers. But I think where they need to improve is just playing smarter. Like, there's no reason why James should just take two shots in the last four minutes. There's no reason why um, the last play should have gone the way it did. Like, it's, Russ shouldn't be coming down full speed, you know, with the defense knowing exactly what you're going to do, you know, and throwing the ball away. That shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen in a the, in the game six, a series where you can make the case where the Rockets should have closed the thing out in four or five. Like, in every game that they've lost, they know exactly why they lost the game. And that's the scary part. Yeah, I mean, 
you touched on the turnovers and I'm and and we're going to harp on that a lot because Russ can't have seven turnovers. Eric Gordon can't have four turnovers and James Harden can't have five. Those guys cannot combine for 16 of the 22 turnovers. Like that's absurd. And I think, you know, and I get it. They're going to handle the ball a lot. They're going to have high turnovers, but you can't do it that much. And it's a team. This Rockets team has a small margin of error, right? Like their whole plan is we're going to turn you over and we're going to turn that into transition points. We're going to turn that into offense. We're going to outshoot you from three-point land and we're going to get to the free throw line. In this game, the Thunder got to the free throw line more than them, 18 versus 12. You know, the, the turnover battle's pretty even. 22 for the, the Rockets, 19 for the the Thunder. You know, the three-point battle, 15 made threes for the, the Rockets, 12 for the, the Thunder. I mean, they won that battle, but not by much. And I just think, like, bad mistakes, bad decision-making in the last two minutes. And, you know, there's a thing that does kind of worry me. And, and you can tell me, Kelly, how you feel about it. But James looked tired at the end of that game, you know, and I I see all the videos and stuff and some people are taking shots if he didn't want the ball or whatever. I don't think that was the case. I think he just was gassed and that's hard, you know, and and that's something that you got to be concerned about because, you know, we're recording the day before game seven, which means, you know, they play the game, practice the next day, game seven. Like that's not a lot of time. I mean, I'm just, I have a lot of concerns with that. And and I was texting you last night. Like, I was way more heated last night than I was today, than I am today. But one thing I'd say, too, though, is some of this is on Mike. Like, if Russ is having a bad game and he's on a minutes limit, you might have to just pull him. Like, you know, it's not an easy conversation. I get it. And the optics are probably not going to be that good. But you know what's also not good, Kelly? Blowing, blowing a 2-0 <laughs> series lead and going home. I mean, that's Houston's forte, isn't it? Like, it's happened. To, and I, it's crazy because I wrote this in the season preview that, you know, the Rockets had actually been in this situation twice before in the last 15 years, going up 2-0 and losing in a game seven. And I said that the chances of that happening are probably lower now, but lo and behold. And I think... You know, going back to what you said, another area where the Thunder have been better is at Houston's game, isolation. Like, I think in game six, the Thunder isolated 34 times to Houston's 19. A big part of that obviously goes to Chris in the fourth quarter. It was fantastic, as usual. But it just seems like the Rockets' defensive style is not meant, it's not built to stop mid-range pull-ups. I'm pretty sure you know that better than anybody, but it seems like their style is just predicated on, you know, causing havoc, cramming the paint, potentially running off three-pointers, but it doesn't account for the area where the Thunder have excelled in, which is mid-range pull-ups by their speedy guards. And I think it's a, a recipe for disaster if you're going into a game seven, you don't have anybody, well, you don't have a plan to stop Chris Paul. I, I, Mike D'Antoni said after the, after the game that, no, there is no stopping him. If there was, it would have happened 15 years ago. But I just think that's dangerous. And another thing, going back to the last play, if you hear them talk after the game, they were saying two different things. Like Mike said, 
that the player was designed to get Harden to switch, you know, off a post-up. But James said the player was designed to get Russ attacking the basket. So which one is it? Well, I mean, that's obviously not a good sign coming out of a timeout. Ultimately, too, the other thing that kind of perplexed me a little bit about Mike's decision, I understood it. Like, I understand what he was trying to do. But when they called the timeout, it was... It remind me, it wasn't in between free throws, was it? Or no, it was a challenge or something. There was something weird. No, it was a challenge. It was, it was like a fake timeout. It was like a challenge. Right, right. You know, but you have a timeout. Like, burn one and get... Advance the ball. Get something going. Advance, like, the, don't, advance don't. the ball. Like, I understand the thinking might have been, look, if we can get Russ going downhill, that's great. But he's going downhill against a set defense. He's not going... And he's not 100%. Yeah. Like, clearly. I mean, all of those things, right? You know, like, him going downhill in transition is one thing. Him going downhill against all five guys being back, I'm not sure I'm really down with that. I mean, there were just a lot of things. And the stuff that concerned me with some of the decision-making, like, look, I've said it on this podcast. I think the Rockets need to shoot a little more mid-range shots here and there. Not Russell Westbrook. That's not who I want shooting the mid-range shot. I mean, he pulled up for one that he— That should have been the warning sign. That should have been the warning sign. That should have been like, I got to take him out. Yeah. You know, he was four feet short. Like, that's just legs. You know, like, that's just not even having the power to really go up. But I had to watch it again because I wasn't sure if it was blocked or not. I was like, did somebody get a hand on that? (laughs) Like, you know, and it sucks because on that play— James made a hell of a hustle play to save that ball and throw it off of uh, Stephen Adams Gallinari. or Gallinari's leg. Yeah, Gallinari. Gallinari, Gallinari sorry. Leg. And I think, you know, like, I was talking with a friend of mine. I said, despite how gassed James was and everything in the turnovers and stuff. That was a big-time play. He was playing his ass off all game, I thought. You know, like, he was trying. Like, it wasn't a thing like that. And to go back to what you are saying about their defense— they were just getting blown by defensively over and over again. And the and the Thunder know that they can target Russ. You know, and, and, and he was the one that kept getting getting blown by. And you listen, man, Chris Paul gets that ball in the mid range and he gets to dribble three or four times without you <laughs> without you really Go bothering on. him. I mean, I tweeted out a video. I said, not only is the shot going up, it's going in. It doesn't matter who's right. on him. So I think it was just a a lot of issues there. But like, it, had to, it had to be the most ironic thing for Daryl, seeing being that close to the game and seeing the guy he traded away, Chris, you know, put in the guy he acquired Missy's and Covetson in the blender time and time again. And it's just so ironic. Like the basketball gods couldn't have written this any better. I mean, it's not like, even that, too. Like, and was doing it with the mid-range. Like, it was almost like an FU to Daryl. <laughs> like, it was almost like, yo. Um, I think it was just uh, brutal. It was brutal. They like, it's a brutal thing. It's a tough situation. You take that loss and you feel it, you know, and it's, it's it hurts. And they, and they were frustrated and you could sense it. I was really just kind of shocked overall watching it. And, you know, getting to sleep on it a little bit. There's one thing, though, Kelly, that I think is kind of a saving grace, and this is going to kind of maybe take us into Game 7 here, is a lot of it was them. You know, you said it. You know, yeah. they, they shot themselves in the foot, and I'm like, you know, they basically really blew it apart. I mean, a lot of it was just bad turnovers, bad decision-making. Just sloppy play. You know, I didn't right. think the effort 
defensively was great, you know, at times. You know, I felt like they could have been a bit better. I thought, you know, we saw it in, in game five when they built up that wall and basically were like, we're going to let Dort do his thing and, you know, we're going to guard everybody else and stuff like that. I just didn't see that in this game tonight. I think it, it takes me back to previous um, playoff matchups with the Warriors and that you know what you have to do to beat them or at least have a chance of beating them. And you do it at times, but then at other times you just fall back into your bad habits. And that's dangerous. Um, a team like the Rockets that talk about, you know, championship aspirations and getting to the finals and legacy, you can't have a seven-game slugfest with a team who many expected to not even make the playoffs this year. Like, it just can't happen. And if you want to put it on Russ, if you want to put it on James, if you want to put it on Mike D'Antoni, it's all parties are culpable. Like, it's just been bad overall. You can't, you, you just can't have that for a team with everything on the line because, Mo, and you and I have discussed this at length, if they don't win this year, if they lose in this first round, I'll just say this. Uh, I was talking to one of the, the, the team sources the other day. He said, if they don't win this, if they lose in the first round, this thing is getting blown up to the high heavens. So there's a lot riding a stake with Game 7 because, frankly, they shouldn't even be in this situation to begin with. Yeah, it's a. This is a very big game. Like, yeah, people have to understand. Like, I thought after Game Five, it was like the, the the Rockets have the Thunder figured out. I think they figured out how to defend them, and and to put up this dud is is a bit disappointing. You know, if they don't come out Game Seven with the energy and maintain it throughout the course of the game, I think it's going to be a real problem, and that's going to be something that look we already know. Coach D'Antoni's heads on the chopping block, right? Like if he's right. not, if it's not already off, to be honest, you know, we we think that there's going to be some changes with the new coach. Anyways, is going to come in and may not want to adhere to this small ball team. I think there's just a lot of things that can happen, and ultimately, like this is proving what everybody was saying. And I don't know if it's necessarily fair that, hey, small ball won't work in the playoffs because I don't think small ball was the problem in this No, series. small ball, yeah, it's not, it's not the I don't, problem. I don't necessarily think it'll work in the next round should they get there. But, <laughs> but I don't, That's the story for another day. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think that's what's losing them this series here. I think, you know, part of it is just a matter of, hey, we just don't have, we're just not there. And it's tough, you know. Shooting 30, 34% from three is is brutal. I mean, James had 32 points, but was three of 11 from three. You know, What do you want to do about – sorry to cut you off, but what do you want to do about Eric Gordon? Well, I was just about um, to bring him up. He's up. He's one, one of six. I mean, listen, I said it on the start last house? podcast. You should have, they should have started house before. They should have anyways. never taken out the lineup. Yeah, like, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, and – Look, it's not like House was amazing in this game, but he was good. He had 12 points. You know, two of six from three is not great, but it's one more than Eric. And I think, you know, he he can kind of help out there a little bit. I just think, you know, bring that punch off the bench with Eric and let Eric try to cook a little bit. It's not even a punch at this point. But it's hard to it's hard to be a punch when you have when you're on the court at the same time with Russ and James. You know, it's a difficult scenario. I think it's a tough tough thing for him to navigate and you know i think that's a tough thing you know for them to figure out it's so i think ultimately 
like I said before, he should have been starting house. And I think that's the, that's maybe a move we see in game seven, but you know, and, and I don't, this game seven is a toss up for me. It's not like I, I can feel confident about any prediction I can possibly make and say, this is definitively what's going to happen in game seven. You know, I just kind of look at it and go, Hey, it's wide open, you know, and, and it's going to just be which team really brings it. Cause that's what game sevens yeah. are. Like nobody really likes to say it, but like I've been in those games you know, as as a on the coaching staff, and it's like, I know everything about this team at this point. You know, I know right. we've we've played you six straight times. Like, there shouldn't be a single thing that surprises us, and vice versa. It's really just comes down to execution, comes down to you know who wants it more. It's just not something you can kind of quantify, and I think right. that's really the the big question for them in this series. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously they've been in game sevens before and we've seen what happens. Sorry to go down your uh, <laughs> memory lane. I wasn't there. But it's fine with me. You already keep saying that. I wasn't there. That was the I was a Rockets fan that day. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they just have to be better. Top to bottom. I think you, you couldn't point to D'Antoni about the rotations and stuff like that. He has to be more sturdy on those um, minutes for Russ. If he's not looking good, yank him. Like, it's, it's not it's not a knock on Russ if you're not 100% right now. Like, it's not your fault. There's no way he can be. Like, like he hasn't played in three weeks, and you're just going to throw him in. A, like, I understand that he wants to play, and he's been itching to get into this series. But if we're going to keep it a buck, the Rockets didn't need Russ to beat the Thunder in this series. They didn't. They, they, they did not. They've been the three close games – they have gone to Thunder's way. The Rockets could have won any of those games. You know, all they have to do is be five percent better, right? And, and over the course of a game. And you're, and I'm glad you brought it up. Like, it's not Russ's fault here. Like, there's no way to expect him to be a hundred percent. I think you know that that mm-hmm. kind of gives them, like, gives D'Antoni the excuse a little bit to at least say, like, hey, we had to sit a minutes limit, or you know, we just didn't want to tax him too much and things like that like you know you could have done those kinds of things and ultimately too and this I keep going back to this in my mind Kelly but whatever source said hey Russ has been practicing and he looks more explosive than ever (laughs) like you just put more pressure on Russ like I'm sure that wasn't your intended thing but like that quote just looks so incredibly bad at this point and we could be wrong tomorrow russ could drop 50 be dunking on everybody and explode for all those things but in game six he did not look explosive i mean he had he missed a layup that you know that felt like the gimme was short you know like it wasn't a thing where i felt like that's explosive russ and just the turnovers were just so brutal i mean i have an idea go for it and I want to get your thoughts on this. There's two ideas, actually. The first, obviously, is, you know, start Daniel. Well, the first one's free. The second one costs you money. <laughs> what if you brought Russ off the bench in Game 7? What if you keep James, Eric, Daniel, PJ, Covington? Bring Russ off the bench and go from there. It's an interesting idea, but I wouldn't do it because I don't even know the last time Russ came off the bench as a player. 
right? And like, I don't want to screw up his rhythm in that sense, you know. And but he doesn't have a rhythm right now. No, but he. But you need him to get his rhythm, and you need him to get back to normal here a little bit. That's true. And I think, you know, there's no chance of that. I think he doesn't have a rhythm. He has no chance of catching it if you're putting him in a whole new situation, right? And dropping him into that, like, all right, good luck. You know, you're coming off the bench, and it's. People don't understand it, and I know fans and everybody are just thinking, like, come on, man, you just get in the game and you play. There is a whole methodology from a mental to physical standpoint for players who are great off the bench, you know, like six men. You know, there's a level of, like, they prepare a certain way, they're getting their body ready, and then they go out, you know, and sit for 15 to 20 minutes, right? Like, they they go from being warm to almost being cold again. And what then would go you right do back with, in the game. Um, what would you do with Ben Mecklemore's minutes? Because he hasn't played much, if at all. Yeah, and, then, and Jeff oh, so Green there goes that. Jeff Green well, was not good. Jeff Green was not good um, at all last game. I so. mean, that's the Jeff Green experience, right? He was good in Game Five. He was bad <laughs> in Game Six. Like, so what do you do that, about Ben? That's why he's he is what it is. You know, honestly, I think maybe don't play him if you're just if you're only going to give him three or four minutes that ain't enough for a player to catch their flow and figure out you know how they're going to fit in this game so you know we i mean listen we've been on coach d'antoni for a long time and we both kind of laughed when they were like oh they're going to go to a nine-man rotation in the playoffs you know that's an eight-man rotation with just giving three minutes to ben you know like i don't i don't know if that really counts so Honestly, I'd probably just keep him on the bench. But, you know, if you're going to play him, you got to commit to playing him and not just play him four minutes. You know, like, and that's also, I think that would help buying some rest here and there for for James, who, you know, I think that's something that you might want to look into for game seven. Because, you know, the tough thing, too, Kelly, they win game seven. They got a whole slugfest coming up. No, no, but the day after. You know, it's not even like they get three or four days. They get it. They get the number one seed, the Lakers, the day after. Who's had about four days of rest? Well, well, I've had four <laughs> days after this. Like that's that yeah. is extremely difficult. You know, and I think that's something that they got to. Uh, I mean, it's going to be hard, man. Um. What are your predictions? No, I no, I told you. I don't have You got to have one. No. No, 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 you got to no, have. No, I don't have, have one. one. I don't have one. It's a coin toss, okay? It's 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 that simple. Like a game 7 is that Okay, okay, simple. okay. I'll ask you this then. Does Russ look as bad in game 7 as he did in game 6? Um, that's tough cuz he looked so bad in game 6. <laughs> <laughs> um I We've seen him do this. We've seen him be this bad in the playoffs. Just look at the Oklahoma City-Utah series where Ricky Rubio beat the crap out of him. Um, I, I, gosh. I think I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and think he has a better game. Doesn't he? I don't know if he has a good game, but I don't think he has as bad a game as this one. Okay. All right, but, all right so you tried to put me on the spot, and I refused to accept it. Do you have a prediction? <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm sticking to my Rockets in seven. I'm sticking to that. Okay. I'm not gonna, I just think that, like you said earlier, everything that they did wrong was on them. Um, 
They had their worst offensive game of the season, of the playoffs, according to Mike D'Antoni. Um, they just looked bad. And if they can clean things up by 5%, you know, if they can shave off those turnovers, because so far in the playoffs, they've been the number one team in terms of uh, ball security around 11 a game. So they cranked it up to 22. Now you're taking away a lot of chances for you to score. So if they can cut those in half, keep it keep it at 10, 11, you know, you're just naturally giving yourself more chances to score. So I, I do think they have enough to get by, but it will be intense and I'm going to be watching every minute of it. Well, you should because you kind of, it's kind of your job. I mean, I covered the team. Uh, it's my job, but it, yeah. You know, the other thing too is they got to, try to find a way not to foul so much you know it's hard uh and the game gets officiated differently each game so it's 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 a challenge but just try to find a way to keep guys off the line and and themselves try to get to the line james is the only one that shot more than two free throws you know i think that says a lot you know and i I, I, an issue there so kelly you got your prediction rockets and seven i'm too much of a coward not going to call I because I, I really just can't um, anything else before we go um, nope that was a long um okay <laughs> <laughs> for Kelly Eco for our producer Andrew Schleck for me Mo Dekeel we out <laughs>